Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think your tattoo yes. was... Oh, fuck. You're going to get it no, right. I'm not. No, it. I'm not. Yeah. Is it, is yeah, it from Rent? <gasps> yes! Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, y'all. The podcast that asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? It's me, Eric Williams. And this week, we've got Dylan Marin, author of Conversations with People Who Hate Me. I feel so lucky that he did this podcast amongst his crazy press tour for this book. Like, how cool is that? He was on national television doing some big old interviews. And he took a full hour to chat with me. And this conversation is it, y'all. I feel like he can be the next gay Brene Brown, if that's okay to say. I mean, the conversation is like, it's like swimming in a natural lake by a waterfall with your best Judy. Do you know what I mean? It's like calming, giggly, everything you want and more. If you notice a little southern twang in my voice, it's because I'm recording this from Atlanta, Georgia, where, you know, I really like to immerse myself in the language. Um, I'm actually here, though, for a very sad reason. Matt's grandfather passed away, so we just had the funeral this week, and I was so happy to be with the family, and of course, so deeply sad um, that he passed, but I wanted, to, I wanted to honor him in this episode by telling a little story about him, and I'm sure this Southern grandfather can only picture his highest honor of being talked about in a podcast called That's a Gay-Ass Podcast, but I digress. Well, you should know about this man is that all of the family called him Big Daddy. That was his name, you know, all the grandfather names we hear across the board. When you hear Big Daddy, you already get a picture. And Big Daddy is that picture. Tall, southern gentleman, booming personality, and just a magnetic guy. And the story I want to tell about him is that there was a tradition that I found out in Matt's family is when someone got married... The groom would always receive from Big Daddy a pair of monogrammed undies. And this was known for many, many weddings. I mean, I went to my sister-in-law's wedding, and sure enough, her husband, Cody, he received a pair of monogrammed underwear at the rehearsal dinner. And so naturally, I thought to myself, gosh, I, I don't know what's going to happen during our wedding. I mean... Will I receive the underwear? Will only Matt? I mean, I don't think there's ever been two grooms in Matt's family to get married. At least I don't think so. Can you imagine? There's like a, a line of gay Southern people I don't know about. Hopefully not, because I want to be uh, special. So we get to the wedding weekend, and no one really knew how it was going to go down. 
the rehearsal dinner comes and sure enough, Big Daddy stands up to make a speech. And the anticipation in me is rising. I think to myself, am I going to be snubbed? And he has only been, he was only welcoming and gracious and lovely to me. I always felt like a part of the family, truly. I'm not just saying that because he passed away. I'm saying that because it is true. Matt's grandparents, all of them, his whole family, make me feel so welcome. And we're very lucky for that, that both sides of our families are are completely embracing of us. But nonetheless, I didn't know. And so Big Daddy stands up and he talks about the tradition of giving the groom underwear. And he says, but today we have two grooms. And so I've pulled out two pairs of monogrammed undies and we both stand up. He hands us both these gorgeous white boxers with our initials on them, white undershirts as well. And I'm wearing them right now. I'm kidding. Um, But I, of course, got a little emotional. I mean, it was not only just a high stress weekend, but to to see that symbol and to feel so included and to, to change the tradition to welcome me into the family. It meant so much. And I think it gives you a small look into who Big Daddy was. Now we're about to get into this episode with Dylan Marin, and I want you to check out his book, Conversations with People Who Hate Me. It is so good. He basically reaches out to the trolls or the people who sent some hate comments to him online and talks with them and tries to find some common ground. It is funny. It is encouraging. It is smart. It is uplifting. And I really think you're going to love it. Do me a favor. When you hear that sound cue that goes, wah, ah, 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 Hit that subscribe button for me or that follow button and tell a friend after you listen to this podcast that you like it. I'm loving that we're growing our listenership. And follow the Instagram at Gay Podcast. Follow me at Eric Wills. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash gay podcast for bonus apps. The music's about to come up, y'all, so you know what to do and press that button. Gotta love you, Samich. both wearing our hats we're both i know mask high mask we're giving high mask do you find that you feel like a different person when you're wearing a hat versus when you're not i think the hat offers up a fantasy Mm. and it also offers up the convenience of i don't want to think about my hair today i love my hair but she i'm gonna tuck her away it's a tuck I love, yeah, it's like, it's giving Drag Race, uh, not untucked, it's giving, it's Tucked. giving, you're going to tuck her. I yeah. think that your hair is stunning. I wish I had your Thank hair. You. And I think my hat for me gives me that security of, I don't need to have that insecurity out in the world. And it's not like I'm devastated about my hair day in and day out, but I found myself yesterday, like trying to record a video. And then I was like, the hair is giving me pause. It's giving me yeah. devastation. And then the hat changed my day. Yeah, it changes the day. I also have to say, you know the the like uh, fleeting things that people say to us in our childhood uh, stay with us forever. Mm-hmm. Um, my girlfriend, yes, girlfriend, bragging, <laughs> um, in musical theater day camp when sure. I was thirteen years old, said I look cute in a hat. <gasps> so, um, how old were you when she said that? Thirteen. 
So it has carried you uh, however many Far, years. 20 years. 20 years. Um, yeah, I'm going to call her Stacy. I think Stacy gave you the gift <laughs> of, of a passion for hats. But we, you did kind of skim past an important comment there. Um, musical theater camp. Musical theater day camp, which is like a, a really specific subset of kids who don't yet feel comfortable leaving home, but need to go towards the arts. They will and not sleep over, but they will do Pippin. Yes, they will not sleep over, will do Pippin, and that's my tattoo. No sleepovers, yes to ragtime. <laughs> Oh my god, the people call it ragtime. <laughs> and now I'm sleeping in my own bed. Um, do you remember any of the shows you did at Musical Theater Day Camp? I, okay, any of the shows. I remember every <laughs> single one of the shows. I'll give you my resume, honey. Okay, so first year I did, this is when, so you had a major and a minor, which also felt like very college. For and day so the camp first year especially. I did it, yeah, the first year I did it, I was 10 years old, and my major was video, um, and my minor was junior chorus, and uh, the big show we did at the end was Bye Bye Birdie. <gasps> oh my god. And, yeah, it's so good. It's so it's... good. You gave me an instant flashback to when I was a freshman in high school, we went to the Thespian Conference in Missouri, and it was like, okay, you know... Okay, she's bragging. She's bragging about going to <laughs> Southeast Missouri State to a huge auditorium where, like, of course, all these theater... Uh, groups from high school would go from across the state to wherever we were and all state musicals or like our main stage musicals were like a school would be picked to do their musical on the main stage for the entire conference it was a big deal and they would bring their high school musical and the first one i ever saw was bye bye birdie from some random school in missouri and to me it was broadway to me it was giving yeah. the super bowl of theater because their sets lit up the, yeah. the talent was so good and as like a 14 15 year old seeing high school students be so good I was like this is no one's better than this no one will ever yeah. and, and, and then the conference you know what when I actually I haven't thought about this since then but when I look back on it I probably was also subconsciously knowing I was surrounded by so many gay people yeah and not being out myself it was probably because my high school barely had any especially any out gay people but just say like any like <laughs> Gay facing, gay seeming people. Yeah. It was like yeah, a pretty yeah, yeah. jock heavy school. And so yeah. seeing so many queens, I I think I was like getting a taste of what the future could look like. I know. It it did it does offer a glimpse to the future. The funny thing is, like I said, this musical theater day camp is such a subset that I don't there weren't a lot of out girls like us. Mm -hmm. it, it, there I, and in, I'm including myself like right. nobody was out and I remember actually whispers of people who were gay were like I don't know the homophobia was strong there and I th propelled by some of the people who then later came out as gay themselves of course um I always yeah. find it interesting especially in those types of worlds when there is still homophobia when like it's just you know what it is kids will be kids I think and like even if you're doing the gayest thing possible which is put on a production of bye bye birdie and yeah you're, like you're still it's like oh did you hear that person's gay it's like babe we all are yeah totally and i also think that like obviously times have changed so much and it's probably such a different i mean that specific place is probably so different but um it was this was 
uh late 90s early 2000s yeah and so that I, it was just a different time eminem reigned, reigned supreme and it was like it, it was just a different culture yeah eminem really hated gay people didn't he yeah that was like his platform for a bit which like his thing he yeah. was like my yeah. thing is hating a group of people i um i went to a, a theater camp that i do not want to make you feel ostracized but it was sleep away uh, um yeah wow. i did but of course don't worry i call my mom crying every other day yeah good um, good, good good so good. i remember the same feeling of like no one being out but i was like a young young teen and i one of my regrets looking back is like i wish i could have had my first like boy boy moment or like I remember this guy I, I think I'm gonna say his name because it's truly been like 15 years 20 years um Quentin from Canada I know Canada is a big place but if you're listening Quentin he the most endearing thing he said to me is he um said hey do you listen to Boyance I was like are you talking about Beyonce um <laughs> and he was so cute and clearly we were both gay but like yeah we didn't have the tools the, nor the language yeah. and um i regret like not taking a, a advantage of that i know that 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 is the the sad thing that we queers miss out on often is um that kind of like regular old like we're teens and we're dating and we're flirting and so you like speed up when you when you hit your 20s 100%. and then it feels like too warp speed sometimes yeah sometimes you just want to have that like that that first kiss and then like really like luxuriate in that and yeah. next thing you know you're like wait a minute i'm married with four children yeah, um, yeah. wait speaking of you and your husband could not be a cuter couple i have to tell you anytime i see a picture i'm like god damn these people are and like i i i again brag like i am married and proud of it but i look at you and i'm like no these are goals these no 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 no, no, are no, goals. no. we're all goals uh single people are goals yeah no i love him so much see you know it's funny like it's funny how little there is to say about positive things. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Oh my God. Yeah. I love him. Well, no, I actually, I think that's not true. I want to amend that. Um, we find the negative so much more entertaining. Yes. So we say that. And I think the positive is really beautifully boring. You're right. And the truth is like, I love him um, especially throughout this book process. He, I mean, he's always so supportive. And through this book process, I, I, I really don't think I could have done it without him. And I also feel so grateful for him every day. And, you know, this is stuff I express to him privately, but it's so funny to express it publicly because you're so trained, like, no, what we express publicly is the horrible feelings we feel. Yeah. <laughs> you like, know what? You saying that yeah. made me immediately think of, like, when someone asks me, like, what is new, how things are going, I immediately yeah. try to find the pithy yeah, complaint yeah, yeah. Yeah, that can yeah, then be kind yeah. of snarky and funny. Or, or like, because you get, you're, you're right when you say, like, if things are going well, it's like, yeah, things things are good. And yeah. then, like, about five seconds of silence. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was talking last week with uh, Drew Drogi about, like, when mm -hmm. you're going to parties now or, like, going to gatherings. And, like, especially with how long it's been since the pandemic since. started of, like, socializing. And I remember I had a few people over and someone was like, so what's new? And 
I thought about some of the good things happening. I thought about like some of the depressing yeah. things. But I was just like, um, and usually I can like latch onto one thing to be like, well, yeah, I, uh, you know, went to a gay bar and this guy <laughs> grabbed my ass and then I, right, right, like, right. I, like I didn't, I was just like, yeah, well, yeah, things are good. And it was like devastating. Yeah. Well, the negative is entertaining. And I also think like the negative there we find like communal bonds by bonding through the negative and so i think what i'm really wary of and i i also think it's like psychologically healthy to Mm -hmm. share the bad like it's good Mm, to be like this is a hard thing for me and i need to express it great but i worry sometimes that we obscure the good because we are trying to fit in with the edict of the public square (laughs) that asks that we be as negative as possible and and so yeah, I think, you know, I I, I try to do that. Um, I try to, you know, express a, a positive sentiment sincere with sincerity. Of course. But I also know that that's sometimes um, too chuggy for the online space. Oh, you God, know? chugginess. Yeah. I, I will say that one of the, um, the bonus episodes we have for this podcast is called This Week's Fight, where my husband and Ooh. I actually unpack one of the fights we have. Or have I had. mean, that's helpful. I think so. The most recent one was... Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to tell you this, and I don't, I, I don't think he would mind. I edited out one part of the conversation where I was like, you're being a little mean. I think I was, he was like, isn't that the point? I was like, no, I think. And honestly, it's kind of like your yeah. book and your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no, I think it's actually to like unpack a fight and then find a find a common understanding or like maybe like. <laughs> yeah. And he, I think he was just like, oh, I kind of thought we were just like fighting. I was like, fighting, no, that's yeah. like a little less fun because the, the conversation was about. Funny enough, my driving. We just moved to uh, LA where we're driving together for the really the first time. And yeah. I'm learning that driving language is so different between anyone. I mean, yeah. Because I know, do you, do you ha- find yourself often driving with your husband in a car? So we, we just spent four months in LA and it was. So typically, Todd is the primary driver Mm. because he's been driving since, like, the quote-unquote normal age of, like, 16. Mm. And then he worked at a car dealership. So he was, like, really good at, like, hyper-precision driving. You know, of, like, these are the newest cars. Cars are never more expensive than when they're on the lot. Mm -hmm. And so you literally cannot get a ding on it. So he cut his teeth driving those cars and i meanwhile grew up in new york city and i was like what is a license and why would anyone ever need one (laughs) and so i got my license at 23 and then still like probably between 23 and 27 i think i drove gosh i want to say like five times wow <laughs> yeah yeah so by the time you got um, to la you were like babe yeah you. well the the thing that changed is when i was 27 i went on this like big cross-country tour with a podcast that i was part of we were doing a lot of like shifts of driving and that felt better and then um in la i was driving every single day and so that oh. felt like really like it felt like throwing myself in so i feel much more comfortable now but yeah he definitely feels like the driver and i the passenger until now when we are shared drivers 
So it feels yeah. like then your your driving language is pretty. Does does he feel safe when you're driving? Yeah, he didn't used to. He now tells me. Okay. Oh, <laughs> see, that's the thing is like how sweet for him not to tell you that till now. Whereas my yeah. my husband will grip the side of the car. Mm. He will punch oh. at the ceiling. He will stomp at the fake brake in front of him. And I'm like, oh, you need. Wow. And I wow wow wow. And I had to be like, sweetie. Driving with you is miserable. I am. I'm hearing a full orchestra next to me of pounds yeah. and gasps and and the grabbing the. Um, oh yeah, he grabs the handle. He grabs yeah, the, handle, the handle and he handle. and so we came. He came to really able to verbalize his feelings, which is that my driving is that of a straight white man who thinks mm. that everyone should get out of his way. Uh, and I said, maybe it's because I learned from, uh, you know, straight white men. Maybe it's because, I mean, I have three brothers who are all straight men. Like, and he says that we all drive the same, but my mom drives the same as well. It's like, and I, and I want to make one thing clear. Yeah. I clear. do not perceive myself as a, a reckless driver. And I'm very, I think if anything, I will drive five miles over the limit, which is the irony yeah. of all this. It's like, I'm like the neurotic Jew. That's like, I don't want to, I don't even, I don't even want to get into auto friction. No with anyone friction. emotional auto friction let yeah. alone emotional yeah i exactly yeah. Yeah. so i am like this coming from, he's just like so grandmother that he yeah it's we have to add on about seven minutes to our to our itinerary if he is driving because it's just like oh he, that's his vibe and then and then i complain about it to his um his parents a little bit because i notice some similarities between his parents and he his mom said it's the exact same thing, but his dad is the me, and his mom. <gasps> his mom is. Oh no! His actually, his dad said to me that his mom is always reacting in crazy ways. So I oh think it's. God. I think it's genetic, honestly. And uh, wow. and, and we we Passed have down. we have come to more of an understanding. But all this to say, like, we are all doing what we can, and you and your husband are beautiful. Is, is the thesis statement of that? <laughs> can I ask you are, how I, you met your husband? Yeah. Uh, old school through a mutual friend. Um, someone was like, I know someone I would love to introduce you. And we both kind of rolled our eyes separately and we're like, okay, it's just another gay person, you know. <laughs> and then the honest truth is, and I'm not going to censor myself to censor the positive. Um, it, uh, the, the simple truth is we met and we fell very fast in love. And... <gasps> Where yeah. did you what, what what was the vicinity of where you met? Was it like a was I was doing a <laughs> I was with a theater company at the time. Um and Was it the Neo Futurists? Yeah, the New York Neo Futurists. Oh my god. First of all, I yeah. love reading the part of the book and also I went to college in New York and lived in New York for a long time and I saw many a Neo Futurist show. Yes. I might have seen you, but one of my teachers What years did you come? Um when I was in college, uh my teacher Jacqueline Landgraf was in yeah. there. And oh my god neo i okay yes. wow did yeah. i see you i'm sure you did oh my so god what so so i was active with them from 2012 to 2015 i probably saw you because i definitely started going like 2009 and then yeah um but like i went to many a show so i'm sure i yeah. did did he see you in the show well, I was doing, uh, we would do like main stage shows, which mm -hmm. was like longer form pieces. And so I was doing one at this like puppet workshop loft in, um, in, in Williamsburg. And so the friend brought him there and we met and then a bunch of us all went out to drinks 
And I was feeling like super confident and I was like, hey, like, why don't you just give me your number and we can find a time to hang out? Because he was feeling a little out of place mm. because it was like a lot of people who knew each other. And he was like, okay, yeah. I'm here. And yeah, it was just, it was um, and then very you went fast. Out, you went out soon after and the rest is history. We, and the rest is her story. It's written in the books. And um, how long, yeah, how long like, were you together before you got married? Two years, two and a half years. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed yeah. with that. You knew it. We were we were child brides together. And um, <laughs> we were super young um, or rather young for our friends. Um, I think ancient for some other communities how old were you when you got married um i was 27 he was 26 that's young it's young especially for not for some other communities oh you know i mean it's it's not so interesting like like you being from new york city is such a different world from me being from st louis missouri it's like it's like i have a brother who feels like he is quote unquote behind with like Mm -hmm. some life things because he is not married and boo 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 boo. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he's twenty six or twenty seven, and it's I like I know, and you're like you are so young, a baby, such a baby. And I think we get baby, like baby, so baby. trapped in what we think yeah. the like milestones should be, and that really. Yeah. But I do wanna I do wanna talk about this gorgeous book, Dylan. I oh my god, love it so wow. much. I mean, anyone listening to this, I think it should be a requirement. Conversation with people who hate me. It's like, here's what I love about it so much is that it's not only you talking to people that, of course, you're trying to find common ground who have said like pretty intensely hateful <laughs> things to you about you know maybe gay people should not be alive. <laughs> um, but it's also a huge look into your creative process that I was so fucking into, especially oh, because you. you talk about like knowing when something isn't working and then the yeah. steps that you have to take in order to like look that in the eye and then do the yeah. pivot. Because I've told this to a few guests of just like how imposter syndrome affects me. And I know a lot of people and like, you seem to be a person that like, okay, hi, there's a little imposter moment. Now let's just like mm. look it dead in the eye and then move forward and find the solution. Do you think that you have found a imposter syndrome not cure but like a thing that you do that immediately allows you to like acknowledge and move on or is it still like a devastating thing for you that you just have to like deal with yeah it's definitely still a devastating thing that I have to deal with and it's like I think you know resumes are so easy to navigate in retrospective narration Mm. like I know what took me from sketch comedy in college to the New York Neo-Futurists Theater Company to Welcome to Night Vale to Every Single Word to Sitting in Bathrooms with Trans People to Unboxing to Conversations with People Who Hate Me. Right. Um, the, each each one of those led me to the next one. And, and I, I know a very – I know the very obvious path between all of them. And I think, you know – I think it's even harder than imposter syndrome. Like imposter syndrome means, oh, I'm not who people think I am. But 
sometimes I don't even get to that point. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't, I feel invisible, Mm. you know, like I feel, which I also understand is ridiculous because if anyone is listening to this, then I am visible to them. And they're like, how could you feel invisible? But this is the kind of conundrum that we're all having to face on the internet is like, you can kind of feel insignificant and like you don't matter. And like, you know, to make a podcast in the era of podcasts can just be like, okay, I'm sending this out into the ether. Like, does this matter? And yet I would never counsel a friend that I would always say, and and not fakely. I would be yeah. like, of course it matters because like there is no one piece of art that matters more than anything else. And I always wish I could speak to myself with the coherence and clarity that I speak to a friend. Oh my God. Um, And I can't. So yeah, I mean, there are a whole host of things, but I do think it's like important to dispel this notion that I don't have imposter syndrome because there and and yeah there are other things i battle like not feeling good enough um and feeling you know i took i was off social media for 13 months to write the book mm-hmm. because it was really impossible to have the voice of twitter in my head while i was writing about you know the way that i formed bridges online because i don't just as we were saying that like negativity uh, positivity is not really something that people want to hear that's the kind of stuff that is not only ignored on twitter but if it's paid attention to it's it's scorched you know oh the voice and of so, twitter i'm sure would have just been t- tearing down at any bridge you were trying to build completely and so i knew that i needed to write this book and i knew that i couldn't have that voice in my head and those 13 months were the psychologically healthiest i've ever felt um dill i'm jelly i just yeah. sometimes i see people that take their little breaks like that or and that's a pretty long break and i think like i what you say in the book too that really resonates with me it's like it's there's just constant content there's constant voices there's constant moving pieces that you feel like you need to be a part of and i think i lately especially feel my engine revving and running Mm. so much that to stop the engine even like i forgot my phone in another room i'm not joking for like 12 minutes and during mm. the 12 minutes my phone was in a different room yesterday, I was like, wow, I didn't look for my phone for 12 minutes. And I think I was actually finishing your book, truly. And I was mm. like, okay, brag. Brag. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, that felt like a nice 12 minutes or however long it was. And I, you know what I'm really trying to manifest right now is that I get to write a gorgeous book like yours or do something that forces me to be off mm. for 13 months and like be able to justify it, which you clearly could and did. And I think, what did you notice differently about like anything day to day without being on social meds? Well, I can actually report that because this week, so since when I came back on, I had super regimented ways of being back on. Mm-hmm. I would... Um, like basically have to sign out time in a little notebook I have that allowed me to go online. And that just meant like it was helpful to have an external notebook that I needed to like, I could even say like 10 minutes on social mm-hmm. if I needed to post something. But then I'm not checking notifications. That all changed this week, the week I'm talking to you when the book came out because I knew that I needed, you know, 
And this is not just coming from me. Like, my publisher is expecting constant posting. And, oh, my God, it's so hard because, like, I, I – so to answer your question, in these last three days when I haven't had any guardrails and I've just been, like, you know – going on going on my phone raw dog and just like on social media I felt more nervous I felt more anxious and I find that like if something makes me anxious externally I'll go on social media and just refresh 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 new social media platform refresh 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 new social media platform refresh and then there's enough things to toggle back and forth with that you can feed your mind something new and so I feel myself more agitated. And I think one of the hardest things, too, and I, I know other people are dealing with this, and when you deal with it, it feels like you're the only person in the world who does, is, like, um, measuring my worth and the value and quality of my book against the likes I receive on posts about it. Oh. And I didn't have that for 13 months. Yeah. You know, like... I, in, in in the quiet of my brain, which was like still with all of the anxiety and depression, you know, like I'm still myself, mm-hmm. right? But I'm myself without this detrimental <laughs> external source. And so I really appreciated being in the quiet to write this book and to finish a chapter and be like, oh my God, I think it's done. Like, I think it's done. And then put it on a shelf and then pick it up again to re-edit it. But it just feels like a constant judgment. And I both am aware that, like, I'm embarrassed to even have that feeling. Like, I'm embarrassed that I even care about the metrics and yet I can and yet that embarrassment doesn't stop how much I care about the metrics. Of course. I mean, I think that it, anyone listening and like me especially would be like the last thing you should feel is embarrassed because if anything we should all feel mortified by it. and then again none of us should because it was designed to make us feel this way right it was designed yeah, it, for us yeah. to go from platform to platform to platform i mean i wake up a lot of mornings and i will scroll through my platforms and be like and then i realize i'm not getting the amount of validation I want and I'll circle back to the first one and I'll be like, wait a minute, why? And then I, I, I will literally say to myself, Eric, you have nothing else to look at. And so um, do something else. And I think that it's, I have a friend who, you know, also is a creator and puts a lot of things out. And she, when I was at a, one of the depths of my imposter syndrome you're not good enough syndrome, I would say to her like, cause she was constantly putting things out that were like wackadoodle. And I was mm. like, how do you put up these wackadoodle things? Like, and she's like, you know, I just like, I, 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 I post it. And then I don't let the outcome dictate what I feel about the actual work. How? And, and I was like, but how? And she just said she like doesn't really examine the metrics as much as she used to. And I think she just got practice doing it. And, and since she told me that, of course, I like had frustration because I was like, there's zero part of my body that can do that. But since then, I've gotten, the only way I've gotten better is that, and I've talked about this so much in therapy, is that realizing this mantra, which is, 
if I fail. And by failure, of course, I'm meaning like the metrics are low or that people aren't, it's not resonating with anyone or maybe someone says that it's bad, whatever it is. If I fail, the world does not end. If I fail, Mm. the world doesn't end. And I've, and I've, of course, it's like, I think comes from my childhood too, of like being told, as long as you did your best, as long as you Mm. did your best. And I've realized, oh, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. If I do my best every single time and then anything happens that's not considered quote unquote my best, then I consider it a failure. And then I think the world's going to end because I did, did, because as long as you did. And I've had to realize like that way of thinking was really fucking up my day to day and my relationship with just creating anything. And so I think that's the only way I've gotten a little better about like the other day I posted something that I thought. I was pretty proud of and it, you know, kind of tanked. And I said to Matt, as like a total brag because he used to really have to talk me down a lot. Mm. I was like, look, mm. this is kind of doing poorly. I still think it's good. And um, I'm not really freaking out about it. And he was just like, yeah, I mean, that's I think he's grateful yeah. because I, especially during the peak of the pandemic where I was just like all I had was to post and just see how it did. And yeah. then he would just be like, stop looking. Stop looking. And the thing that your book I always would think about too is I've talked about it a few times where I had a video on TikTok that went viral in a bad way. It went viral in the Trump community where they were all Mm. tearing me down and they would show my video at Trump rallies and like do, um, they would duet it or stitch it and say like basically what an idiot I am. And Mm. I found myself reading every single comment and then spiraling further. And then Matt and I like had a full on argument about it. Cause he was like, you need to stop reading these things. Yeah. And I felt powerless against it. Well, you know, and I do say this in the book too. And and it's also, I also am hyper aware that like I have quite literally written a book about navigating yeah. <laughs> this and yet I'm still susceptible to the very things that I was grappling with in the book. But I say this in the book, which is that when I started receiving the hate that prompted the the podcast, um, I uh, I was counseled by many well-meaning friends who love me so much to just log off. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's lovely advice in theory, impractical in practice, <laughs> you know, um, because it's like so much of our lives are lived online. Mm -hmm. And for so many of us, our work is online too. And actually our need to post is tied to our business model and our income. And so that's really challenging. Mm -hmm. And I think that like the just don't look at it. Well, like there is a gravitational pull to negative comments that, make you need to look at them because there's a sense of control you are trying to exert over those comments Mm -hmm. and it's it's as you read it's it's how this whole project started because the hate i was getting was on facebook and so i needed to obsessively scroll through my quote-unquote haters profiles to understand who they were and that made me feel better because then they didn't feel like distant strangers they felt like known entities that i could potentially reach and so this this attraction we have to negative comments about ourselves is i think the thin analysis of that is that it is masochistic narcissism Mm -hmm. right i think the more nuanced thing is it's actually not narcissism it's like how could you not like how could you not when i when i you know 
guests on my show, um, whether it's moderated, a moderated conversation where I'm hosting a talk between people or, or it's me one on one, like so many of them are so curious about what people are saying about the episode. Oh. Um, so it's so it's so natural. It's so natural. I mean, if you ever wanted to make an episode about that TikTok video, I would be fascinated. Oh, 100%. I mean, it is such a crazy journey because I made the video. It was, of course, during the election, and I made it in a way that was like I was walking down the street with Matt. Uh, We were visiting my parents in Missouri, and I was like, oh, you know, this might be a funny idea. It's a six-second video. Hmm. My husband and I holding hands, and the caption is something like, to, you know, two gays walk through a Trump neighborhood mm-hmm. and it's me holding his hand. The camera pans from our hands to me, I think. And it just me looking around going, anyone got a problem? <laughs> and literally that's the video. And so what yeah. they started to do at Trump rallies is they would go, you got a problem? No, you got a problem? No. Trump is the most LGBT pro president we've ever had. And it was like, and, and yeah. then I started, I was like, am I crazy? Am I, is he pro LG? Is he good? Like, and I was like, it was yeah. such a mind fuck. But I do want to say that there is so, it's such a drug almost to know what people are saying about you and like to look away. It's like, it's like, like when people drive down a highway and you see the car accident, you see the police cars and like, that's why there's yeah. fucking traffic because people are just like craning their necks to see what's happening. Um, but I do want to say in the interest of time, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get back to the podcast question and more about this. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Dylan, listen fucking up. Um, I want to get to the famous podcast question, which is, whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame, babe? Angelica Houston and the witches. What? And her cape specifically. Her cape specifically? Mm. Okay, you have to know something that I have not really talked about Angelica Houston and the witches specifically if at all on this podcast and then it came up literally so recently where we were talking about why witches are so fucking gay and angelica houston in the witches was one of our prime examples <gasps> it was the black cape with the purple lining yes. <gasps> the purple lining of it and all you remember when she had her gloves and she let it yes. go and then the cape fell oh down. oh my god <gasps> that yeah so, so really that's what i did it I just want to say I woke up every single Saturday and Sunday morning for, I think, a year of my life um, to watch The Witches at 7, 7 a.m., which was when I was allowed to start TV time. 7 a.m., you were just like jaw on the floor watching Angelica Houston's gorgeous gloves. So I wonder what your entree... God. I mean, like, how did I even get to know about The Witches? I think it was just like kind of canon, right? It was like kid canon. Well, Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, of course. I don't want to brag, but I did read the book. Oh, first. shit, dramaturge. And, yeah, she's a dramaturge. <laughs> and then I read the book, and um, I found out there was a movie, and it was one of those rare things where the movie, like, was what I imagined, and then surpassed it. <gasps> and also, the the poster of it, which is, like, the cape forming the most beautiful pattern. I'm looking a, it up. Like, a beautiful wave Oh my god. That that poster oh, is yeah. to yeah. die for. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. And you know what's interesting is I didn't see the the remake with Anne Hathaway and out of kind of like fear. But this original poster, yeah. I mean, it's it's camp. It's it's honestly Angelica Houston is a drag queen, right? Like, can we is it she disrespectful is. to say that? I think it's giving such costume such size it's like you know if i were i think it would have to be dramatic with like yeah. a football yeah. field length train right like yeah it's in our yeah. dna yeah you i mean i welcome the um tradition drag of lace you know <laughs> yeah but... tradition drag of lace wait um your wedding dress for your for your renewing My your vow your, for your, when this you renew is... your vows <laughs> Are you going to do, what's the neckline? Are we giving sweetheart? Oh. Are we going to go strappy? Are we, what are we doing? Gosh, I would love, I would love a strapless. Oh yeah. Um, but the truth is, you know, I know you're asking as a joke, but the funny thing is my fashion feels so basic. Like I feel <laughs> like, you know, in like Doug on Nickelodeon, how he like just wears the same thing. I'm like, you know what? I found my uniform. I found what I feel comfortable in. And it's like, not only like not breaking fashion barriers, <laughs> but like not breaking like Sears mannequin <laughs> barriers, you know, like I am. The Coles mannequins are like, she's wearing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, again. Yeah. <laughs> again? I'm you in know. the same boat. I think we are kind of, I think this universe brought us together because I, as a gay man, I think wishing I was given the, 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 ability of alternate outfits like a vision i mean matt is 
especially because I'm married to someone who is so fashionable, fashionable and fashion and like just like mm. like fashion noble, fashion noble, <laughs> giving royalty. <laughs> he like is able to put together a Luke that is like such a stun. It can take a risk, and oh then I God. can be like, "What about this?" And he's like, "Give me a face." Well, wow. like no, yeah. no, no, no. And I don't know that when people when. I know a lot of people and love a lot of people who love fashion. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what you determine is a good. No, not at all. Don't know a darn thing. I, that's, it feels like a science of which I can never take a class and learn the system behind because it feels kind of arbitrary, right? Like design. And here's the thing, like people who do design, of course, in fashion, interior design, like there is such a science and a method but a lot of it is inherent artistry of like visual and so again matt has made our apartment look stunning and like it's only because of his ability to have an eye and i don't know where to get that no 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 you cannot buy it if you give me a couch i'll sit on it oh i will sit on that couch yeah i will (laughs) i will enjoy a gorgeous meal with that coffee table and i will be watching i'll watch hgtv with you and of course i'll give i'll give all (laughs) sorts of opinions yeah i cannot believe they use that tile meanwhile yeah i wear the most disgusting and then and then in real life i like cannot if you were to ask me like design a room yeah i'm sure i would make it look like not good yeah i think i've you know you just i i gravitate towards the most basic stores you know like give me a cb2 give me a crate and barrel and you can't really go wrong no you cannot although but in terms of circle our couch is crate and barrel just want to let you know that and we love her our couch is crate and barrel too we we love her good yeah Anyway, so you just like you can't go wrong when you point at something and you're like, yeah, I like that. But the people who are like, oh, God, that's a horrible design. I'm like, what? Like, I can't. Yeah, but why? I don't know. Yeah, but could you? Yeah, could you, I could have you, no idea. Could you tell me why? Yeah. I, and they don't. And, oh, and they don't. And they will not. Yeah. They refuse. Um, well, I do want to say that Angelica Houston and the Witches is is such an incredible answer. I think that witches and magic in general we've talked about have such a queerness okay. and... I, so gay. Oh, I did. Did you t- did you see the Anne Hathaway remake? I did. Did we? Do we have a feeling about it? I don't. I I. It was so hard to compete in my mind. Of course, with the Angelica Houston. But I also understand that Anne can be a lightning rod of negativity that I do not want to participate in. So I'll just say the honest truth, which is that I was not a huge, I was not as much a fan of it as I was of the Angelica. Sure, sure, sure. I, in my mind, was envisioning you just then going in on Anne Hathaway as like, as a bit. And, um, (laughs) but here's the thing. I want to say she is that lightning rod of negativity, but I'm noticing a change recently where people are rebelling against the the lightning rod. Yeah. And I think it's, she, it's, it's definitely her time. And, I I mean that's a in whole... 2014 it was at its peak. Oh my god! And I god. think now I think people are realizing that it was not worth it. <laughs> it was not worth it, babe. I mean, like, what her biggest crime was that she gave was one of the best movies of all time with Meryl Streep. Like, like, yeah. Can we can we just thank her for that? Or that I think, or it was that she was just excited for her Oscar win, which is like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm guilty of complaining about her quote. It came true. That was yeah. the one was a little tough. But listen, 
who am I, especially as a theater gay, who am I to say that when I accept my Oscar, no. I'm not going to say the most cringy, like, hmm, Kate, I want you to tell me, what are you going to say that's cringy when you win your Oscar? I, can I just say something about Anne, which is Please. like so many times I think when we react to the it came true thing, mm-hmm. I think so many times, not always, but a lot of times we're reacting to that quote unquote cringiness within ourselves that like yes it, there's a sense of like Drag oh me. i think there's a time in my life when i would have said that Drag and you're trying me. to abolish that part of yourself that would have said that and i think the more radical and subversive thing we can do is like love that part of ourselves even if it's no longer who we are <laughs> and just say like like i will tell you that the first tattoo i ever wanted to get and thank God, my parents asked me to think about it. My, I, I have very like down parents. Um, wait, wait, don't they... tell me the tattoo. I want to guess what the tattoo is. I'm ready. Okay, so you're saying that your parents are like, I want you to consider this, and it, we're talking about earnestness. We're talking about cringe. I think yes. your tattoo oh, was. Fuck. You're gonna get it right. No, I'm I not. No, I'm not. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, is are. it from Rent? <gasps> yes. Shut the fuck up. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Wait, oh my I was god. so sure that I wasn't gonna get it right, but also a part it. of me knew I, I was. I saw it in your eyes, and I felt in this space that we've created that it was right. Dylan, we just did that. Well, now I, I don't want to say yeah. the quote because I, I I can only be right from the show. No, I I you you already passed the threshold okay. of correctness. Okay. So you're here. Just guess it. I mean, I'm going. I'm going between a couple. Um, I'm I'm leaning towards. Yeah, say it. No day but today. Um, that was part of it. It was measure <laughs> your life in love. And then here's the kicker. Are you ready for I'm it? I'm ready. And this is when I give you permission to end this Zoom and delete this recording. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It was the really big happy and sad face of theater. No, Dylan. Beneath which it was going to say measure your life in love. <laughs> or... CCY04, <gasps> which was the summer program I did. CCY04. And it was going to say, CCY04, measure your life in love, or CCY04, no day but today. Dylan, can you imagine for the rest of your life on this earth, you have a tattoo like, that talks about you your summer day camp? Every time I hooked up with someone, every time I hook up with my husband. They're like, what, is CC4, to, like, what, is, what does that mean? You're like, it means, um, and you try to make up a different. Yeah. A, a different, Wow, I'm so grateful for your parents. I'm grateful. I really am too. And they were down to be like, we will sign a permission slip. Wow. But like, it was like the best kind of parenting. That's like, we release you to make your own decision as a 16 year old. Yeah. But (laughs) take a good look in the mirror, baby. (laughs) Oh my God. And then you kind of like came to and you said, maybe I won't do this day summer camp on my body for the rest of my life. Um, And, but that would no. So, so importantly, that was my first sleep away. So I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, but that's why, because it felt like I was like, you've got new, new era, new era. You graduated to like a very, a very vulnerable thing, which is to sleep away from your, your, your bed. Um, <laughs> wow. Do you have any other tattoos? I, I got a tattoo. Yeah. What does it say? Um, and then, and then cut to you saying it's like the most cringy line from something else. Um, and it's, um, defy gravity. <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually, um, I haven't changed for good. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I say this, but like if someone has that tattoo and loves it, like literally go off. Go off. Mm. Oh my god, of course. Um this is uh the outline of Prospect Park. Um, which is the walking trail of Prospect Park. And I did that. I'd wanted, I knew, so I, I took my parents' advice with me into adulthood. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, I, anytime I'm thinking about getting a tattoo, I'm going to think about it for a really, really long time. And so I had wanted this for eight years. And I think the thing is, like, I've walked the loop of Prospect Park at my highest highs, mm. at my lowest lows, mm. in depressions, in celebrating good news, in processing something. Like if I record something for myself that I'm trying to write and I don't totally see the pieces, I'll walk around the loop and try to process it. And that was, um, it felt like a sustainable thing because it wasn't just tied, like even if I move, you know, across the country, that is still like the loop where I feel like I like <laughs> became an adult. Yeah. You know? And I think yeah. it's like they say we'll always have Paris. There will always be like that beautiful place. Yeah. And, I, and as yeah. someone who also, you know, I lived in Brooklyn for years. I, I feel like <laughs> the depth of despair in New York, it feels different than anywhere else. I think like, being surrounded by so many people and I think also like the buzzing energy of the city and also as someone who has commitment issues when it comes to a tattoo for that very reason of I have to really think hard about what I would want on my body for so long Mm -hmm. I think something that has that depth of meaning to you that's also Mm -hmm. rooted in a real place and such specific symbology I think is fucking cool and that is actually a really good criteria i think to get a tattoo because when you do something that is from such a specific point of time that's pointing to one specific reference of a specificity you wonder how that specific moment will change in your rear view in one two five ten twenty thirty years and that's what makes me nervous but I love that tattoo you have. So one, it's simple. And two, I don't, like I haven't posted about it, Mm. which kind of feels helpful because it was like, I I had to be like, this is just for me. I actually didn't tell Todd about it. Wow. Like I, I, I mean, he knew for years the tattoo I wanted to get, but when I made the appointment, it was literally, it's like, you know how doctors are like that's a decision between you and your doctor Mm -hmm. you know it's like this was between me and my tattoo artist and I knew that I couldn't consult anyone else on should I do it um because I knew I needed to get to the place where I wanted to do it Mm -hmm. and I did and I'm really proud that I did it and yeah I think listening to you say that you just you between you god and your tattoo (laughs) artist i get annoyed by myself for trying to get validation from others with decisions and like i will like literally create kind of anything and show it to matt looking seeking the validation yeah you know something that came up while we were talking earlier is i i saw this post about if you have these things, this points to low self-esteem or something like that. And it was kind of like yeah. getting external validation from, yeah. you know, let's say yeah. social media numbers. It was listing all these things. And I was like, check, check, check. Isn't this just like this like human condition? 
it, it's totally a human condition. And I also think that like in that same way that you just described, you know, asking for feedback on something like before you post it, mm-hmm. that's essentially what we do at hyperscale every day on social media. Right. We are posting something to be like, what do you think of this? And so then what happens is we're constantly responding to the feedback that we get and then shifting who we are to please the capricious gods of social media, which is to say the algorithm, mm-hmm. which is a really dangerous thing because then it creates this very weird like mono thought and like mono joke and mono sense of humor yep. that kind of doesn't budge. And I backstage of the book, when I finished the book, I sent it out to like too many people to be like, hey, I would love your feedback. And I think the confusing thing is when someone is asked for feedback without specific parameters of like, tell me if this chapter Mm -hmm. makes sense in context versus like, just tell me what you think. Then you're going to get a lot of people who are like, oh, I would change this. I would change this. I would change this. I would change this. They're doing that with love. It's just that. Whereas it's so much more helpful if you send someone a book, you're like, this is finished. I hope you enjoy it. Then they're not going to be like, I want you to change this. I want you to change this. I want you to change this. But not because they're censoring themselves, but more when you're like, oh, I'm consuming a finished thing. Great. I will take this finished thing as the thing that it is. And then look forward. I mean, I mean, it's I'm writing something right now that I've actively had to tell myself when you are ready to send this out, please be choosy, please just knowing what effects, you know, people's opinions can have on me in that way. Um, But speaking of opinions, this hour is flying by. I need to ask you, I need to ask you another question, which is if the world was ending and you can only save one character actress, who do you think you would save? Lisa Ann Walter. Dylan, now I'm gonna be looking up Lisa and give me the pitch. You're you're gonna well, you're gonna recognize her from her most recognizable role. Oh my she's god, on, duh. She's on Abbott Elementary. I know she is. But, I'm devastated I didn't know her name. But you but see, that's the thing. I looked it up because I was like Lisa Ann Warren, and actually that's a different actress. Lisa Ann Walter, she played the nanny in Parent Trap. Oh my God, of course. And there was something about her (gasps) that I was just like... Do you know what? Oh my God. She... uh, the Oh my God, of course. She is... Chessie, right? Chessie Chessie is the... And she also... A movie that... I I think it was a very like gay moment growing up of just like Mm. an attachment to a movie that I think is like widely forgotten is Shall We Dance, the remake with Richard Gere and J-Lo. Richard Gere. Yeah, I know. I bought the movie and I just like, I think something about the the geography, the language of dance and like also probably I just wanted to fuck Richard Gere. And then also this gorgeous character actress Lisa Ann Walter. I just, she she is the moment. She's it. She's it. And now She's I just so want to go good. into a deep dive of Lisa Ann Walter. Oh my god! I mean, anyone listening to this, if you don't, you're yeah. She is in Abbott Elementary. There's a clip going around right. Abbott now. Elementary is so good. So by good. The way. She, there's a clip like, of hers going through. around right now of um. I'm just starting to watch it, so I need I I not I don't know any characters' names, but it's like one of the gay guys is his boyfriend comes to 
to mm. meet up and he you found someone who wants to spend time with you and then his boyfriend shows <laughs> up and he ends up being larry owens a black guy and then um one of the teachers is like black and then he goes it's pronounced zach um it's so fucking funny but lisa and walter it gives the the woman can land a punchline she's so good She's so good. Also, I didn't. You were you spoiled it for me. I did not know we got to meet his boyfriend, and I did not know that Larry Owens is the one. Fuck! Spoiler alert. Larry is so good. So good, and also like popping up in everything. Everything. Uh, I know. Oh wow! How lucky are we? How lucky? We this time. Well, how lucky am I to have you on this gosh darn gay ass podcast? Oh my <laughs> Thank god! Thank you for having me. If anybody has not purchased this gosh darn book, Conversation with People Who Hate Me, it is honestly, I tore through it. It is such, it's just so, so like affirming of what can happen between people who fundamentally disagree. And it's also funny. It's also like at times reading a novel because we're following your story of how you got from point A to point B. The fact that you're sitting here and I'm like, talk to you after you've written this colossally important, huge, great book. It's just as a person who aspires to be like a Dylan Marin in my life, oh. I was so inspired by it. And I just want to thank you for honestly writing it. And, 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 and anyone who reads it is lucky to read it. And I genuinely mean that. I could not ask for a better endorsement. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you for reading it. And also thank you for saying that, you know, like it is like, a book about a big topic, capital letters at the beginning of all of those. And I think that I get really turned off when I read a book about a big topic, capital B, capital T, that feels so dry. Mm. And so I wanted to embed it in the story that I lived so that it feels more like a story than that. So the fact that you recognize that means the world to me and i thank you oh my god of course and the last question i didn't prep you for before we stop record is dylan what is the best whoopi goldberg film you know the, uh, too many to choose from but i loved the associate um no one danced that <gasps> Yeah. Oh my God. And then Diane Weiss was just talked about last week too. Dylan, the yeah. synergy. Okay, wait. I don't think I've seen the assistant. Are you mad? The associate. The associate. There we go. I'm not even listening. Well, it it so if last I saw it was literally the I think the week it came out on VHS. So forgive me if the <laughs> themes have not stayed, but she can't get work. She's like this very successful businesswoman, but she's as we know Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg is, she's black, and so she pretends to be a white man to oh, get a promotion. yeah. And anyway, it's just, I just remember just, like, being caught in the LOLs, you know? Caught like in the LOLs. And you know what? You're giving us a gift because it's rare that we get a, a Whoopi film that hasn't been discussed, and now I'm going to do my homework and either watch for the first time or rewatch, and that is yet another What's gift. What's the most common one? People are torn between Sister Act 2 and Ghost oh. or The Color Purple. The three big are Ghost, Color Purple, but Sister Act 2. The Color Purple, that version, like, degays the story. Very good point. Whereas so, the Broadway musical I'm, doesn't. Honey, she does not. It says this is a gay story it says about pants. gay characters. Characrices. Yeah, they really 
Oh my god, I cannot wait to see the film adaptation. Oh my god, I can't wait. You know what? We're gonna Fantasia. Have a, Fantasia fucking Barino. We're gonna have a reunion F just so we can cry and yeah. talk about Fantasia for an hour. Uh, um well listen, where can people follow you, Dylan? Uh you can follow me online at Dylan Marin across socials. Or you can read my book and write me an email and tell me what it meant to you and you don't have to follow me at all. Oh, we love. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and I, I hope to see you again soon. I hope so too. Well, thank you for having me. Friend of the Pod Production. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.